I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Tech Talk underway on a Saturday. 651-989-9226. If you want to talk to Doug about your computer, hardware, software, whatever. Doug joins us remotely today on the phone lines. But once again, if you want to call or text, 651-989-9226 is the phone number. Doug, how you been? Absolutely wonderful. Just uh, swamped with phone calls. People are um, really concerned about this latest update they got if they're running Windows 7. It just starts popping up, telling them to hurry up and switch to 10. I'm not sure why Microsoft even bothered. Yeah, and I got asked a couple of times at my other job during the week by people who have Windows 7, and I said, well, we talk about it on Tech Talk a fair amount. If your computer's running fine, don't upgrade. And there's a lot of people that were saying, yeah, but they they said it was free, and I could uh, back up my files and upgrade to 10. What is going on, Doug? Do they want people off Windows 7 that bad? They really do. Um, Once you have Windows 7 or Windows 8 and you upgrade to Windows 10, you completely invalidate your license. And it really, I believe Microsoft is moving towards software as a service. And they're eventually probably going to be either billing people monthly or quarterly or annually or however they plan to do it. Um, And I just... um, I, I'm I'm leery. I'm just leery of the of the the way that they're going about this and this this latest update. Now, many of uh, my users we've shut off all the updates in Windows seven and eight, and they didn't get any of these these annoying pop ups. But for the folks that haven't shut off their updates, um, I'm not certain exactly what all Microsoft has sent. I, I hope to get some time next week to find something that I can actually take a look at and figure out if there's more than just the annoying pop-up. I, I don't know. I, I'm hoping not, but we'll, we'll just have to wait and see. And, and Doug, what do you recommend? Once again, if people have Windows 7, or for that matter, Windows 8, and it's running fine, what steps should people take if they're not comfortable with, with upgrading to Windows 10 right now? first thing would be to jump on Google in the search box and find one, two, or three websites that describe in detail how to completely stop updates from the Microsoft server. Go through and do that. And in my opinion, that would even include Microsoft Security Essentials, Defender, Windows Media Player, uh, anything that communicates with, with with the update server. After that, Upgrade to a commercial antivirus and malware, and they should be good to go. Now, after this latest update, everybody should really download and run ADW Cleaner just to make sure there isn't some kind of a nasty thing happening in the background. Um, I'm not going to blame Microsoft because nobody can prove anything like that, but I'm just concerned. It's just um, 
I, in my mind, Steve, here's the thing. I just can't see any motivation Microsoft could possibly have to keep people's computers running. I can see all kinds of motivation for them to have them update and, 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 and be more tied to the control of, a, of the large corporation. And maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. I, I can't prove any of it, but I'm very suspicious. And that's my point of view. All right. 651-989-9226. 651-989-9226. Call or text. Uh, phone lines are open right now. And inevitably... We run out of time at the end of the program, so call or text early, and we'll try and get you on the program here on uh, what's turned out to be a chilly, windy day. Nine degrees, winter storm warning in effect until 6 o'clock tonight. Uh, By the way, we'll have an update on the weather from our Lennox Premier Dealers Heating and Cooling Storm Center at about 1.30 today. Let's go to the phones. Dick in Bloomington, you're on the air with Doug. Hi, guys. Uh, My brother has a nine-year-old HP computer with Windows 7, but his most important software is his annual tax software from H&R Block, which this year it says requires a minimum of Windows 8.1. What are his options? And I have one other question. I really would have to have a take issue with that. I... um... If it's running a 64-bit or a 32-bit, 7 and 8.1 should certainly run just fine. And the H&R Block program, uh, from what I can tell, they also have a web-based version. If, if they offer something for a Mac and Windows, I just don't know how H&R Block could be that far behind to dictate the software that was required. I, there's really not a whole lot of difference as far as in, installation of that software uh, that I know of. Um, that that's a uh, very unusual. I I can't think of a, a of another package that would require eight point one and not be able to install on seven. That's a first. All right, Doug. Uh, let's get a follow up from Dick. Yeah, I, my brother also frequently gets a message of no hard drive, which he cancels, and then it seems to work fine. Oh, that. I'd like to take a look at that. I think he's uh, possibly had a hard drive in there at one time as an external, uh, and it's directing to a drive that no longer exists. Uh, that that one needs some cleanup. This would be a just a prime example where CCleaner would just be a tremendous value on that computer. But there's something else going on here. It's also possible. Some of these printers have USB drives. And if they swapped out and got a different printer, that also would show up as being like a network drive. But it shouldn't be searching for that drive ever. That's um, He's got some, some confusion in the, on the configuration part. And if he can't figure that out, have him call me. I'd like to take a look at this one. This one sounds challenging. All right, we'll have Doug's phone number and email at the end of the program. If you want to talk to Doug or send a text, 651 651- Nine eight nine nine two two six. Doug uh, bought the Epson Echo Tank printer as you suggested. Do you know how to fine tune the color so it prints more closely to what I see on my monitor? And uh, I, I spend uh, my weekdays full time in the printing business, and that is uh, that that is a big job. What you see on your monitor 
and what you want to print out on a piece of paper, boy, that is, uh, is there, a there's a lot going on there. This is a huge issue. Monitors might be off just a tenth. Yep. Uh, the printers might be off just a tenth. To get a perfect what you see is what you get is really, really difficult. And even when you get it to match on a Tuesday or a Wednesday, by Friday or Saturday, it may be off just a smidge. The, the human eye, if you've got a good eye for color, it's really sensitive, very sensitive. And to match two separate devices, one that you're viewing in a static format and one that you're looking at as hard print, hard copy, Oh, well, you're in the business. I'm not telling you anything you don't know. Well, yeah, uh, this is a gigantic challenge because you're absolutely right. Uh, How your monitor's set up, uh, how the browser, how all of those things render that color, and then in turn what is sent to the printer and what kicks out. And typically an off-the-shelf printer is going to do a nice job and uh, print out a document or, for that matter, even print out photos. But... Printing companies and uh, a, a lot of professional firms spend a lot of money on color calibration software, and this is a big, big deal. And, you know, I, I think uh, for consumer printers, it kind of it is what it is for the well, most part. Exactly. And just, just consider you've got your monitor here, and some of the newer monitors will actually change the brightness during the day according to the, to the room brightness. Yeah. If you know yourself, Steve, that if I lower the light, lower the brightness on a on a monitor, well, the whole color changes. It, yeah. it it's really it's um this is an ongoing battle. It's been going on forever. There there is no instant fix to this. Yeah, and one of the other things you can do, and uh, printers I've had over the years, desktop printers, etc. You can go in and you can go into the advanced settings and play around with some of the color curves because they're creating colors uh, typically out of uh, you know a red, blue, yellow type scenario. It, it, they're they're rendering these colors. Uh, f- from other colors, so you can play with the curves, but it it, it takes some playing and it, it'll take some time. But generally, on your printer, if you want to get into the advanced settings, you you can change those color curves to get closer to what you're looking for. But it is not uh easy. We've got a break. We've got more with Doug. It is Tech Talk six five one nine eight nine nine two two six six five one nine eight nine. 9226 uh, here on News Talk 830-WCCO. We continue Tech Talk. Doug Swinhart uh, joining us. Uh, one follow-up on the printer thing. Uh, typically in the printing business for color process is CMYK, cyan, magenta, yellow, and black. That That is generally used by even uh, a printer you may have on your desktop. You have the cyan cartridge, the magenta cartridge, the yellow cartridge, and the black cartridge. And your printer uses those four to create all the colors ultimately in the rainbow. Uh, meanwhile, on the flip side, uh, your monitor uh, uses uh, dots, if you will. That's right. And uh, th- that that's why you see differences. Um, red, yeah. uh, green, and blue are kind of used to create the colors you'll see on a monitor. That's exactly 
exactly correct. And in addition to that, monitors in general also have an angle to these dots. And sometimes, and that's not the same in four-color separation in the printing industry, and that, that angle will also change uh, with different monitors. And really, if, if you're really interested in that close of color matching, one at home has no choice but to print the paper and adjust it via the printer. Uh, that's that's our that's our only option. Yeah. So uh, it does get complicated, and getting something on the monitor to to what it looks like on the paper that that can be a major challenge. All right. Let's go to the phone lines again, and let's start with Robin in Bloomington. Robin, you're on the air with Doug. Hi. Um, I have Windows 7, and I have turned off the updates, but are there any individual updates I should look for, like, for instance, for uh, Media Player? Yeah, there is um, um, uh, Windows Media Player, and anything that, that – well, if you have Windows 10, I say just look at the, at the apps compared to the software. Uh, what whatever connects to the Microsoft Store in Windows Seven, it's a little bit different. Uh, the Windows Media Player, I would take out from the Control Panel, Add Remove Programs, and then on the left side of that particular screen, you'll see Windows Features turn on and off. I actually go into that and I uncheck Internet Explorer, get rid of that, um, take out almost everything in there except for searching files, because you don't want to slow that down, um, and leave, in addition, you would want to leave um, uh, the, uh, the uh, uh, access to the, uh, to the, um, uh, to the shell. To, but, and if you need my help, I'll help you. I immediately then download VLC Media Player, which fills that gap instant. And it actually will run faster and cleaner and never, ever ask to, Download a codec. Um, and then you're going to want to go into your services as well. In your services, you can actually shut off some things that will prevent the triggering of your updates being back on. Best advice I could give you is there's a ton of websites that discuss this. Start with GWX control panel, and it's G is in George, W is in Winter, X, Xavier, control panel, and that's the perfect place to begin. And if you get that, run that, and that will at least give you an advance. Separate updates coming in. Once they're in, you will have some difficulty taking them out individually, but it can be done. Uh, sometimes it's best just to start fresh with a reinstall of seven and rock and roll. Uh, but I would get on that right away. And thank you for the call. All right, Robin, good call to get us started here on Tech Talk. And by the way, 651-989-9226, call or text. Uh, let's go to Linda Coon Rapids. Linda, you're on the air. Okay. Um, I just wanted to ask about the update with Gmail. Windows 10 is what we have, and it kept saying update your Gmail. So I updated it, and the Google screen came on and said, uh, Click in your password, which I did. It was already on there. I just went to the next screen, and Windows popped up and said, we are going to do whatever we want with your Gmail, and do you accept it? 
and I did accept it. And now I'm wondering if I should decline it. Uh, this this is a question that I'm having trouble getting answered myself. I have been searching for this for several days at this point. I don't have a good answer for you yet. I don't quite understand what Microsoft has to do with web-based Gmail. I'm not sure. It's um, It's got a whole bunch of us just completely befuddled. I'm going to keep searching on that, and hopefully we'll be able to have an answer next week. Thank you for the call. All right, Linda, that, that is a tough one, and it, it can be scary. On any of these updates, we started the show with this people, particularly with Windows 7. Hey, I got this pop-up that says, I better update to Windows 10 right now. I mean, you, you kind of go, what do I do? Well, well and, the, and the ugly part, that, that it just is mind-boggling to me. For the last three or four weeks, there's been little articles popping up on the Internet. And it's kind of like, listen, I got a secret. You can still get Windows 10 for free. Mm. And it's almost like they are trying to nudge people's deceitful nerves to just go get it. It's free. And I look at the article a little bit closer. takes you right to Microsoft and gives you a link to Microsoft. It's like, well, if Microsoft wanted to stop that, they would have stopped it easily. So I'm not really quite certain this this motivation to to stop everybody's software that they actually have already paid for and legally can have and use forever. Um, I think that the scare tactics are too much, and I just don't know how aggressive they're going to get with trying to wipe this product off the face of the, of the earth. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm bothered by the whole thing and can't always respond. All right, Doug, a quick break. We'll come back. Claudia St. Paul, Tim and Champlin. Uh, we have more with Doug on Tech Talk. We'll go to the text line as well. We have a number of texts to dig into as well here on the program. Once again, our number for a call or a text, 651-989-9226. It is 128 weather in a moment here on News Talk, 830-WCCO. Tech Talk continues. Doug Swinhart is in. Steve Thompson, Jonathan Lowe is our producer. 651-989-9226. And without further ado, let's get back to the phone lines. Let's bring in Claudia in St. Paul. Claudia, you're on the air. Um, Hi. Thank you so much for such a great program. I sure miss you when you're not on. Oh, thank you. Um, I have an older Epson workforce printer, um, and it's on a Lenovo laptop. Um, that I have spent many hours trying to get to connect. The printer works fine, and it works fine with um, with a, a cheap tablet. Um, I've tried everything, and I saw something online about other people having the problem having to do with an update that Microsoft had in September. Would you know anything about that? I do, actually. I've, um, I can't recall the exact update, but if you remove that update your printer will come back to life. And the best thing to do is first try to completely remove the printer, which I'm sure you've already done, and just start fresh. If you want to give me a call sometime next week, I'm just swamped for the next couple of days, but Tuesday or Wednesday I'll try to connect up remotely and get this thing taken care of for you. I've, I've dealt with this quite a bit since that update came out. Um, I wish I could remember the actual update number, but that is one update that we can go in and just simply remove. Uh, 
that should do it. And it seems to affect Lenovo more than the rest of them. And I know, too, there are several models of HPs that are dealing with this and Asus as well. Uh, I don't have an instant answer. It, we will get it. We'll, I like those workforce printers. Those are great printers. Right. If I'm not mistaken, if you've got this thing set up with wireless, it should work. If you're using wireless on one device and a USB cable on another, that, too, can create the problem. Uh, but we'll we'll get you taken care of. And I wish I had something instant. Yeah, Doug's phone number and email at the end of the program. And once again, the, the, these updates can sometimes cause more problems uh, than they're worth, that's for sure. By the way, um, our phone number is 651-989-9226, 651-989-9226. Phone number or text number is the same here on Tech Talk and all our other programs here on CCO. Uh, Doug, someone was wondering what you typically charge uh, to uh, take an older computer, put a solid-state drive in it, and upgrade it to Linux. What are people or what should they expect to pay for something like that? Uh, nearly everything I do is on a flat fee basis, and I, it's going to sound a little bit strange, but I try to be as fair as possible. Um, I generally will quote $300 flat fee and then 250 for cash, but I always, always, if it's an old, old computer, I just don't have the heart to have people pay me more than what I would believe that it would be worth if they sold it. So I try to stay underneath that. Uh, you got to keep people happy. And that's the one advantage I have is I can say, well, okay, it's, uh, we'll take care of this and we'll do this, but um, and it doesn't, I don't want to charge more people different prices, but you really have no choice. You can't charge somebody $250 for a computer that might be worth 150 And the flat fee I do primarily because I don't want to be thinking about time. And people will tell you I might be worth waiting for. I hope they feel that way. Uh, but it's, uh, and I don't want people to worry about counting minutes. It's a it's a situation where it's one on one, but very very rarely will I go above two hundred to two hundred fifty. And I don't sell hardware, so whatever they want to do with hardware is certainly up to them. And hardware today is really reasonable. And by the way, that's expected to go up this year for first time in many many years. So it's going to be an interesting year coming up here. I hope that answers their question, but uh, I will always give them a quote and. I'm, I'm not going to let them ever. I don't want anybody feeling they were overcharged ever. All right. Uh, could you walk us through how to load Linux on a USB and then how to run it without uh, install or without installing it on a Windows 7? Can, can you put it on, once again, maybe a USB drive and, and have it there and try it out? Oh, absolutely. And, in fact, there is a, a website called and drive Linux, and I, if if they email me and just put how to install Linux in the header, I will uh, set up a, an auto response and give them several websites. It gets kind of lengthy, but you're going to download whichever distribution of Linux you want to run. I would probably recommend Linux Mint, 
at XFCE. Make sure you get 32 or 64-bit, whichever your computer is capable. Most computers today will require 64-bit. And you will download what's called an ISO file. And that file, you will use the software from Pendrive Linux. And that software, once you've got a USB in there, will just automatically copy that ISO file right straight to the USB drive and automatically create it so it is um, a bootable device. From that point, you just have to go into your BIOS settings and set up your boot order so the USB drive is first and restart, and it will go right to the USB drive. will not interfere with your hard drive, and you can take it for a test drive. Just keep in mind that Linux is going to run much, much slower coming off the USB drive than it will a hard drive. As long as you keep that in mind, you can test browsers, you can see if your hardware is capable, and if you are, almost every distribution I know of has a small icon on the desktop that says install, and if you click on that and it recognizes that you have Windows 7 or Windows 10, as long as Windows 10 isn't completely controlling the boot record, it will advise a dual boot and actually create a dual boot menu. It's much easier than what most people think it is. Once they go through it, it's a piece of cake. There are tons of YouTube videos that will walk you through step-by-step. And even Pendrive Linux has got a small page. I think it's about five or six steps. So I don't think anybody should be intimidated by this. Give it a whirl. And make sure that you go to distrowatch.com, D-I-S-T-R-O, W-A-T-C-H dot com, DistroWatch. That will give you a tremendous list of Linux versions, show you what country they're developed from, and their rating, how many people have downloaded it. There's, it's just a wealth of information. Just pick a good one. And if the first one doesn't work, try another one. Right. It might seem time-consuming, but it will be well worth your effort and well worth your time. Once you start to play around with this, it's not going to take long to get the feeling like, well, I really can control this computer. And and they really can. The security base in Linux is just so tremendous. I, I just can't say enough good things about it. So, And we don't seem to have, in the open source community, we, we don't seem to have the, the amount of confusion that we seem to get from the commercial softwares these days. This... Um, what, just the Gmail thing just got me just bewildered. I, I, if you're running a browser, I, and Windows 10 blames Gmail. And Gmail said, well, why would we do that? We want people's Gmail to run. So you don't, we never know who really to hold responsible. I can't understand why they just don't get together, take a couple hours, throw the teams together, and just get it fixed. If we want people to have access to Gmail and want Windows 10 to run, should be a simple fa- simple matter at this point. But here again, it's my opinion, and what? I wish I had more answers. Let's go to the phones, David, in St. Paul. David, you're on the air. Hello. Yes, hello. Uh, this is David in West St. Paul, and I love your show. It's great. Uh, I'm trying to listen to it every Saturday if I can. i got a quick question. i got a uh, an iMac that's 12 years old, maybe uh, 2008, I think, uh, vintage. Trying to keep it going. It's a wonderful machine, but we're running into some problems now that says start up this full and our mail will quit unexpectedly. 
Now, I've heard of a uh, product called Clean My Mac 3. Is that something that I could do on my own? Uh, absolutely. And if I'm not mistaken, Clean My Mac 3 has a free version that you can run. It might be a trial version. And I have used that a ton. And in addition to that, there's another product that might be more appropriate for your age, Mac, and it's Onyx, just like the Blackstone. And that is a, is a freeware shareware program, and that does a great job of cleaning up old machines as well. When you are working with a Mac and you're looking for software like this, make absolutely certain that you pick the download that is the exact match for your version of OS 10 and your hardware. Take a little time to just make sure you coordinate those. If we try to install a different version, it might cause conflicts, but the Mac OS 10 is generally quite forgiving if for something like that, but it'll go a lot smoother. Uh, say, for example, uh, a MacBook Pro uh, might be an 8,1, 8,2, and then, of course, there's that five-digit code. And once you get that figured out, you're golden. There is a website as well that if you put your serial number in, it will actually tell you exactly what you have for the production model, when it came out, and I don't have that website off the top of my head, but I bet I can find it while we're still on the air, Steve. And thank you for the call. I hope that helps. Quick break. We've got a ton of calls to get to out of the break. Frank, Ray, Chuck, all waiting. We'll go to the text line one more time as well. It is Tech Talk. Doug Swinhart joining us via the phone line today. We have nine above. Our wind chill in uh, the teens below zero. Winds out of the west at 24 miles an hour with higher gusts. Wind chill at the moment stands at 12 below. Here at News Talk 830 WCCO. We continue on Tech Talk. Doug Swinhart joining us today. And let's go to the phones and bring in Frank in Plymouth. Frank, you're on the air. Oh, afternoon, Doug. Thank you for taking my call. Uh, question. Yeah, thank you. Question relates to antivirus uh, recommendations that you might think of for laptop. And it's also, do you think it's needed for smartphones? Um, I was looking at Bitdefender versus Webroot. What, what's your thoughts? If I was looking between those two, I'd be going with Bitdefender. Bitdefender has actually made some serious changes the last couple of months, which is a good thing. Uh, generally, I will recommend Malwarebytes as well for uh, a computer PC. Uh, Bitdefender, with their recent changes, they're right back in the running. I have to be honest and tell you that I've never been a big fan of Webroot. I think it takes too much resources, and it's been a while since I looked at it. So, again, things in this business change in light years. But at the same time, once I get a, get a, a have a bad experience, so to speak, it, it kind of sticks with me. And WebRoot, is, I just, I've had problems uninstalling it. I've had problems controlling it. And I just think that you're much better off with Bitdefender. Bitdefender, on the other hand, is lean and mean, and it just rock and rolls. I think today many of these businesses are adding on things. Once they sell somebody something that, well, they always start, get, but got to have this. Got to have the protection, got to have password manager. And pretty soon, it's just 
almost annoying. I think they need to just calm down a little bit on the sales and stick to a little bit more of the support. They would become much more popular much quicker. And it's a tough business these days, very competitive. And I hope that answered your question. Let's go to the phones. we got a number of calls to squeeze in before the end of the program. Ray in Brooklyn Park. Ray, you're on the air with Doug. Hey, Doug, thanks for this tech talk. We are so attuned to it. We set aside every 1 o'clock hour on Saturday for you. <laughs> oh, well, listen, nice. I'm a guest of the Steve Thompson show, so yeah, you're, I appreciate the thank you, but we got to thank Steve, too. Well, thank I'm you, too, Steve. You. Yeah, no problem, Ray. What, what do you got for Doug? Uh, you referred a couple of times earlier this afternoon to uh, removing particular updates from Microsoft. Is there a, an ABC-type uh, procedure for doing that? You know, that's a big question, too. W- with the way that Windows is set up, if people start to customize, which we all do, it will actually change Windows. And generally speaking, you can go into the control panel into the add remove programs and find most of those, but not all updates will show up in there. There are specific software packages that will give you better access to this. If you happen to have Windows Professional 7, 8, or 10, you really have much better control over this. And the way that Microsoft ties these things together with dynamic link libraries, and ties it together with your task manager. Sometimes you can take out an update and it pops right back in. Doesn't even let you know that it's connected to the update server. So it's um, it really gets kind of kind of hairy on watching that kind of thing. But it is possible. Start with the control panel. If it's a simple update, you can generally take it out there. And if you need some help with that. Um, there's plenty of resources on the internet, but anytime you run a search on the net, never take one point of view. Get three or four, because anybody can post anything on the internet. And you just kind of got to train yourself to say, well, this one looks the most reasonable, and give it a try. Just remember what you did so you can undo it. And it won't hurt to get all your files copied to a hard drive to make sure in case you have to, you can reinstall from the ground up. And that's, I think we're to a point where most users should be able to do that at this point. If first time through, it's going to be scary after that, just like old hat. And thank you for the call. To the phone lines again, Chuck in Apple Valley. Chuck, go quick. Uh, Doug, uh, thanks for this one. Uh, just trying to figure out how to improve network speeds uh, from a wireless router that's located you know, down in my uh, basement to another part of the house. I've actually extended an Ethernet wire, so I'm wired to the access point, but uh, Charter recently upgraded my service and supposedly two to 400 download speeds. I get that on the router, but the access point, I'm only getting about 25 to 30. I would be checking that cable. Something else that you might want to look at is there. you are actually able to network by using your AC, your electric, but both of the plugins have to be on the same wired circuit. And I think you're better off by fine-tuning that extender. There are There is software available that will analyze your wireless system. And this can get um, a little bit hairy, but if you just work at it a little bit, you will achieve this. 
Also, look for obstructions in your house. Cement walls, a lot of metal, um, passing through a microwave even from one room to another. All these things can affect your Wi-Fi signal. That really is a, a huge thing. And the equipment that you have connecting to your broadband or your wireless also is, is going to be a factor. Not all routers will allow you to have different Wi-Fi speeds with different devices. Some routers, if you've got, they just automatically ship to the slowest device. And I kind of feel in my stomach that might be what you're dealing with. And if you can't get it, feel free to give me a call, and I'll do whatever I can to help you. Thank you for the call. All right, Doug's phone number and email coming up in a moment. My mom and dad switch services from one provider to another. And I just said, have the wireless router installed in a spot in an area of the house where you and dad use your stuff. That's the kitchen uh, the living room, and a little porch they have near the kitchen where they have a TV. And they had the router installed there because that's where they use the lion's share. Uh, they, they, they stream on the TV. They use their laptops, and it's paid out dividends. It's easy for the installers to put it down in a basement where the lines come into the house. But in general, if you're getting a new new service installed, have that router where you use most of your stuff. That is absolutely the best advice you could have mentioned. If you try to get it close to where you're going to be the majority of the time, that's huge. And keep in mind now, your Wi-Fi is going to run 5 gigahertz, runs much faster than 2.4. But 2.4 gives you longer distance. And many of these routers, almost all of them today, will automatically switch from 5 gigahertz to 2.4 gigahertz as you are moving around. Yeah. Um, I just updated a, a, a small card in Nancy's 13-inch Toshiba, $30 on Amazon, and I took that Wi-Fi from 30 megabits per second download speed to 180 Wow. $30. All right, Doug, we got to um, run. A company called Killer Networks, beautiful piece of equipment, and that might be necessary as well. Yeah, Doug, we've got to run. We apologize to all those texts and calls we didn't get to. Uh, next week we have Twins Fest, so Doug, we'll talk to you in two weeks. Once again, uh, we'll be live at Twins Fest next Saturday here on News Talk 830-WCCO. So once again, we'll visit with Doug on Tech Talk in two weeks. Doug, uh, your phone number and email. Uh, thank you. 651-552-9543. And, of course, WCCOTech.com. W-C-C-O-T-E-C-H dot com. 651-552-9543. Have a good week, Steve. All right. Talk to you in two weeks, Doug. Thank you. Once again, we'll be live at Twins Fest next Saturday here on News Talk 830-WCCO. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.